Welcome back, everybody, to Say Who, Say Pod. It's another two-episode week. Uh, what can I say? We were feeling industrious. He's Danny O'Neill. I'm Christian Capel. And Danny, before we get going today, um, we, we, we got to give a shout-out to somebody. Uh, Joshua Tufts screenshotted our podcast uh, on Apple Podcast showing we still were on 49 five-star ratings before he gave his, I will say, and this is not a humble brag, it's, it's just a brag, um, I can't confirm he was our 50th because we are up to 53 now. So it could have been somebody else, but he was industrious enough to uh, to go ahead and, and send us a message about it. He says, we need to develop a DeBoer scale to measure the mild attitude differences in his press conferences. And he thanked Danny for his double up uh, uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot reference. So <laughs> Joshua Tufts, thank you very much. You will get the 10 second DM pre-release of episode 22 it's it's very funny my my uh, appreciation of sir mix a lot uh goes it goes back quite a ways um to me being god what i've been i guess 15 but maybe 14 and living in klamath falls in his first album swass so it's funny because now people are like oh that's kind of dorky that like you know so much about a rapper whose greatest song is uh baby got back and i'm like oh that isn't even close to the most embarrassing thing about that the first album that i <laughs> bought from him which predated that by a good solid four years was uh included him using a voice synthesizer to rap about buttermilk biscuits and square dance rap uh are, are you familiar with either of those tracks it's off a of swass which i believe was sir mixalot's attempt to come up with a slang word for suave and cool um, it included a song whose hook was "Don't you wish your boyfriend was swass like me?" <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Not, I'm not familiar with the. Uh... You're not familiar with buttermilk biscuits. I just looked. I just looked it up. <laughs> yeah, it was I, the first time I saw it was off a show called Kids Incorporated, which was like a janky after school show, like Saved by the Bell ish, but included musical numbers. And they did a they did a a, 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 a lip sync to square dance rap. Uh, Fila on the bottom and Adidas on the topper. That's that's a pretty good line. <laughs> that is solid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Transform scratching. <laughs> I can tell you getting looks by the looks I'm catching. It was yeah. You got you got to listen to it. Like it's a fully voice synthesizer countryed out uh, rap song about buttermilk biscuits. Here we go. Slip the flower. Roll the dough. You think uh, I'm kidding and I'm making it up. It's actually worse oh, than I, I just performed it. I believe you. Have you have you listened to the podcast with um oh the the guy who was who was kinda in his crew from the early days who was really tight with Ken Griffey Jr. My homeboy Kid Sensation is Kid the Sensation. teenage lady killer. Yes. Yes. I have interviewed Kid Sensation for a story on Jamal Crawford. At that point he was going by the name Cola Malik. <laughs> it's a good podcast. Uh what, what which podcast was it? Um I'll find it. So ba- basically, it was about how, like him and Ken Griffey Jr. were, were kind of coming of age on on the yeah. Seattle uh, hip hop and and sports scene, respectively, at the same time, and they became really close and were really good friends. And um, Griffey rapped on his album "American Prodigy." American Prodigy, the kid. Oh yeah, yeah. I have listened to that. Yeah, that's done by the guys at Blue Wire Pods, who I talked to earlier this uh, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's super interesting. That that whole podcast, by the way, they do a podcast on Ken Griffey Jr. without talking to him, which is very in line. And I actually think 
is is spiritually connected because Junior doesn't like those things, like legitimately doesn't like them. It's, it's a very good podcast sequence. But yeah, Griffey, Griffey rapped. Have you heard Griffey's rap? They they reference it. I can't remember if they play it or not. Oh man, yeah, that's another one you can you can look up on YouTube. Um, it's not the worst rap I've ever heard by an athlete. Um, and it's got some very very funny lines. Uh, if I see a fire, then I pull a fire alarm. But if I see a girl I like, then I pull her by the arm. That's one. Uh, Ken Griffey is a swinger, not a singer, a deaf rhyme bringer, a home run hitter. But I'm not a dope slinger. <laughs> those are those are all facts. Um, something something. He goes. If the you think the rhyme is wiggity whack, I'ma sting you. The G, the R, the I, the F, the F, the E, the Y. See, I'm rough in six three. So why you try to step to number twenty four, cooling in the flat? Oh, you get cracked with the baseball bat. <laughs> I just look. I just <laughs> the, like the, the, the sensation comes in and says one likes to bat and the other likes to battle. One is Cincinnati and the other's from Seattle. <laughs> That's pretty. That, that flows. <laughs> I just, the whole I, thing I, is ridiculous. I like that he identifies himself as someone who when. He sees a fire. If you're out and about, you're around Ken Griffey Jr. and a fire breaks out. He will do the prudent thing and, and pull the fire alarm. Yeah. It's good to know. And if you try to step to him cooling in the flat, oh, you get cracked with a baseball bat. Well, now you know. <laughs> now you know. Uh, um, well, uh, we also have, in, in, in fairness to uh, our other Social media solicitations. Depay God. So you, Joshua Tufts was number 50. We have to send him a preview of, of this episode, right? Like he gets the first copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Depay God is the 43rd five-star review, according to his his Twitter. I'm well, gonna, that's, on, that's on Spotify. Yeah, Spotify, my bad. Uh, Spotify, uh, five-star, number 43. And he says he provided a job description for me, which is, quote, Gregarious raconteur and lighthearted foil to host Christian's dignified persona. Co-host must appeal to previous generations with an avuncular quality and penchant for fading pop culture references, which I think I more than just covered with my uh, exhaustive chronicling of the nasty mix crew of Sir Mix-a-Lot and Kid Sensation. Uh, this is the first time in my life I've ever been referred to as dignified. Really? Yeah. You're clearly more responsible than I am. Like between the two of us, like you're clearly the more responsible one. I'm the I'm the I'm the person that says inane things. Well, like I want the Pac-12 to job USC yeah. and UCLA openly. That's like true. I, I I I would I would 100% say like that's exactly right, and I wouldn't mind it if they came out and said it. Well, I was like, well, what do you expect? Like they they didn't make a long term commitment to us, so should we really care about how they feel in the short term? Recantor is a great word. Raconteur. Raconteur. <laughs> it's very French. Um, I had to uh, I had to look up avuncular real quick. I'll admit oh, that. Oh, yeah, like uncle-like? And I was like, oh, right, yeah, uncle-like. Um, yeah. Last time Washington won a game at Arizona State, nobody was referring to Danny as avuncular. That was 21 Ooh. years ago. Really? What were you doing in 2001? So 2001, that would have been the year after the Rose Bowl, right? So yeah. I, I was working at the Seattle Times. We had gotten off of strike. I was still in the somewhat not really the penalty box, but I had I had seen I'd seen other people be promoted ahead of me in the wake of the strike. We were on strike for forty seven days. Um although I'm I contend I'm the only person that actually won because uh Sharon Chan began dating me. Like 
we were hanging out, like the hanging out toward the end of the strike, and then we were dating after that. And I, well, I would have been in New York City to cover the Mariners in the American League Championship Series, which I don't know if they'll get that far this time, but they're in the playoffs again for the first time since then. Yeah, and like literally just announced, um, we'll be playing at exactly the same time as Washington on Saturday. Yeah, that's on, unfortunate. Sa- same time on Friday, too, but there's no Husky game on Friday, so a little bit less of a they conflict. Don't, they don't really, like, Major League Baseball feels about college football the way the NFL feels about Major League Baseball. Yeah, non-factor. <laughs> yeah, completely a non-factor. Uh, and I get in it. In fact, I get yeah, it. I, I was actually saying that uh, I saw somebody today, he's from, from Texas, um, he pointed out, like, how ridiculous everyone's being about the Aaron Judge 62 home run thing, which I totally agree with. Like, I... I am not excited at all about the 62 home runs. And it's maybe because I'm living here in New York and being subjected to it. But they're like, actually, Major League Baseball games should be interrupted with announcements of how overdone this has been, just like they've interrupted college football games to inject his at-bats. Because nobody nobody outside of New York cares about this. Uh, I was just going to say, if it were if it were somebody playing for the for the Brewers, are, are we getting cut-ins of 62? No! Uh, of course not. And we're not seeing Roger Maris coming out and saying it's the real home run record. I saw S- Rolling Stone made the, the the declaration that we should just throw out all of the steroid guys and, and recognize this is the real home run record. Ridiculous. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. <laughs> also, I realize I just used the National League team as my example, but you get, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, they're kind of a bastardized team, though. There's a couple of those. Like, the Astros and the Brewers have negligible ancestry because they switched sides. It's true. Um, what uh, What do you think about uh, about Washington not having a grass practice field? <laughs> or, where, do, I, so, where do you come down on this? So I read this in your, the, the which everybody should go read, uh, Christian's article today uh, at The Athletic, which talks about, kind of, is it, is it myth busting or sort of documenting like what we actually know at this point, which is that Washington is a Pac-12 championship contender? Like they they are, they're they're four and one, and don't don't let the sort of the the last result overshadow the fact that they're still really well positioned for for to achieve an awful lot. Um, second thing is is that the DBU is is on pause <laughs> like yeah that's that's Washington Washington's a long way from that the third one that I came across was and I didn't realize this people think that Washington keeps losing because because they don't have a grass practice field it's it comes up whenever they play a game on grass and it mostly it's when they don't play well defensively and it's pretty much exclusively when they lose but like I it you think of okay, which which road stadiums have really given Washington trouble in recent years, and it's UCLA, yeah, right? it's ASU, it's Stan- uh-huh. it's Stanford, and they've also lost their last two games at Colorado when they were pretty clearly the better team, and the those are the yeah. those are four of the five grass field stadiums in the Pac-12. The fifth is the is the Coliseum um, in LA, but that that's Bermuda grass. It's not natural grass, so it's a little bit different. Um, and Wait, Bermuda isn't natural grass? No, it's it's more. Um, I was reading. It's like a. It plays faster. It's meant to play faster. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's shorter. You don't get as like chunked up in it. Maybe we need to have a groundskeeper. Really? A groundskeeper on to uh, 
to maybe break down the difference for us. But are you sure you didn't go listen to Caddyshack when he talks about getting stoned as a bejesus out of? I guess that's Kentucky bluegrass with a Northern California sense of Mia, so it's entirely different than Bermuda. <laughs> um, that is showing an incredible dedication to the the most granular aspects of college football, researching and distinguishing between Bermuda and. And, and the other types of, of natural grass that are in, in the Pac-12. Well, I could be wrong. I mean, it, it's possible Bermuda grass falls under falls under natural grass, and I just don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, but I know that like those four stadiums specify that the, the surface is natural grass, and the Coliseum specifies that it's Bermuda grass. So maybe, you know, maybe it's just uh, it's shades of natural grass, and, and Bermuda is just a little bit more tolerable but here's here's a kind of an aside but here's a stat for you you know washington has not lost a game at usc since 2008 really well how many times have they played there like three times two (laughs) (laughs) they they won in 2010 they won in 2015 and they're scheduled to play there next year which will be their last time as a conference opponent but um they should take an upper decker when they're down there See what I mean? You're the more dignified. Yeah, well, <laughs> in this exchange, this see, this is what this is what I needed. I needed to do a podcast with you so that somebody would would say that I'm the dignified one. <laughs> <laughs> the um, so it's always hilarious to me. Like, I'm worried that Lincoln Riley is going to restore USC to like Pete Carroll levels of dominance. But one of my favorite things about sort of my most of my adult life is that USC has wandered around with hopelessly incompetent coaches for the bulk of that time. Cause when you would say that they haven't lost to USC since 2008, like the immediate reference that we all have is, Oh, that's, that's the heavyweight of the conference like USC, but like USC is actually, you can make a really compelling case for them being one of the more underachieving programs over the last 30 years outside of that 10-year window, the nine seasons with Carroll. Like, they they constantly have really inadequate coaches. Like, going back to Larry Smith and Paul Hackett, Clay Helton, Sark and Kiffin, like, all of these different things that happen to that. And it's it's hilarious. Like, and I, I, I absolutely love it. And I don't know if that is, like, a little bit of my Irish heritage in that, I grew up, like most people with any O apostrophe last name, having some slight inkling of Notre Dame support, which which made me hate USC, or just the general the general uh, the general fact that I've observed is that most people who have gone to USC and who are football fans, I don't I I don't have a lot in common with them, or they 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 drive me up a wall more specifically. Um, but yeah, I, I I am I guess I am surprised at, at that that they. They they won their last two at USC. Maybe hey, that'll be that'll be the the forever stat that that everybody can trot out if they can win there next year. Yeah, Washington. And then it'll be like they haven't lost at USC since in thirty years. And yeah, be like they played there four times. <laughs> and like the ASU thing, I mean, I don't have it right in front of me. It's obviously it's not like they play at ASU every other year, so it hasn't been it hasn't been like a ton of trips there since two thousand one, but. It ha- they've definitely had like multiple games that they should have won. They were heavy favorites to win, or they were up, it, you know, by a couple scores at one point, and it just it just never seems to work out for them. But I don't think it's because they have a grass field. 
Um, no, like the Kalen worst De- of those, the worst of those losses were when Manny Fernandez hurtled a guy. Yeah, um, like absolutely sucked down there. And, Is that 2017? Oh, uh, uh, Manny Wilkins. Their, Manny Wilkins. Quarterback. What did I say? Manny Fernandez. <laughs> Manny just, Fernandez is an old professional wrestler. Well, he could probably hurdle a guy. <laughs> no, I don't think so. He I think, might need I think it. He, he might need little, it scripted, but I think it was Manny the Bull. Was it was his nickname? Uh, Manny Wilkins. Yeah, Manny Wilkins hurdled somebody. Um, I had forgot. I hadn't thought about him in a while. I was actually reading about that game earlier today, and I came. I was like, oh right, Manny Wilkins. Forgot about him. He was a pretty solid quarterback. Um, he was. He's kind of. Arizona State's a strange program in the conference. They've constantly been referenced as the sleeping giant because of both the size of the university, the fact that you just need a pulse to get in, and how great it is to go to school down there. And kind of are perpetually underachievers and have never really been able to put it together. And they've gone through all sorts of... Like, that that program has hired both Dennis Erickson and Herm Edwards, which should give you an idea of the range of candidates that they've taken in over that time. And they really can't get over the hump. They went with the Boise State route and Dirk Cutter wasn't I mean, he didn't really get them over the hump. They're they're kind of this perennially meh program for reasons that are hard to hard to differentiate. Dennis Erickson, who USC wanted before settling for Pete Carroll. In December of 2000. God, is that right? I remember them really wanting Bilotti. I didn't remember Erickson. So was Erickson post-Oregon State at that point? No. I don't think he'd gone. Or was he at Oregon he was State at, then? He, they, that was, they had the big. That was when they went 11-1 and one and made it to the, you know, beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, I, I was just looking at, um, I can't remember if it was the New York Times or ESPN, but the, the three names that were thrown out that, that they preferred to Carroll were Bilotti, Erickson, and Mike Riley. Yeah. I remember the Mike Riley. Everybody was really – because his he has history at USC yeah. um, bef- before he went. Erickson <laughs> – Erickson's got a funny career, man. Like there was there, – there are a couple points where he's been a very, very hot head coaching commodity. And um, I'm not sure entirely what has happened over the past – 15 years to to decidedly cool that off but there was at at that point if they had hired him there would be like well you're probably going to end up on probation but you might win a national championship before you get there rather than now if you hire dennis erickson <laughs> the kind of those like yeah okay yeah you 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 bought past you, you bought uh milk that's past its expiration date and everybody can smell it it would have been something though if he if he would have been able to say that from the from the early, like in the decade, from the early '90s to the early 2000s, he had he had coached at Miami, Oregon State, and USC. Like that, <laughs> that would be that'd be one hell of a with the oh you know with a, with a little Seattle Seahawks stint thrown in there. Yeah, I, I mean, God, so he's been a head coach at three Pac-12 programs mm. and two NFL teams, right? Wazoo yeah. before Miami, Oregon State, and Arizona State. And then Seattle and San Francisco. Um, it's it, it's a weird career. Um, it's a it's a very he's he's got one of the stranger coaching careers that that I can remember seeing. I feel like last time I saw him was at the campus or the near campus Marriott in Salt Lake City. I think he was living there. Yeah. Um, while he was coaching at Utah. 
and I was with a bunch of, I was there helping cover Gonzaga, um, in the NCAA tournament and I was still at the spokesman review. So all the, all the spokesman review guys came in and, you know, he, he still knew, he still knew all those guys from, from the eighties and nineties at Wazoo and was, Oh, Hey, how you doing? Friendly guy. <laughs> Is he still at Utah? He's not. He was the apparently the head coach of the Salt Lake Stallions in 2019. So I mean, he might still be living there. He's he's not on Kyle Whittingham's staff anymore. I, I, I don't. I don't think this is out of bounds. Utah is a very odd place for him to take up residence, given the the, the reluctance with which, or the general suspicion with which they view the consumption of alcohol. I think. Uh, I think you would find folks who would agree with you on that take. Yes. What do we know about this Arizona State team? They they put up they 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 put together uh, the admirable sort of show it wasn't our fault after the coach got fired game, which which I underestimated. Like always, and this is especially true in the NBA when a coach is fired, always expect a much better performance from that team after that because every one of those players wants to show you that that. That they were, it's not their fault that the coach got fired. Even even if they even if they really liked the guy, they want to do that. And then there's also the possibility that they truly hated that coach. In which case, they really want to show how much better they've been than than what they've shown. Because Arizona State put together one of its better games of the season uh, this past weekend. Like even though they lose, I, I felt like they looked pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they have a really good running back, and like I think you know they had a obviously a huge transfer issue this offseason they lost a ton of guys they lost their starting quarterback they did get Emory Jones um out of the portal from Florida I don't know that they've got the weapons in the passing game to exploit you know where Washington is the weakest right now like I think if if their plan is to to lean on um Valade and and Daniel Nagata who is one time a a Washington recruit um I don't know that that's a a winning formula necessarily against this Washington defense. Like last year, certainly it would have been, I think that like I was talking to Alex cook yesterday about, you know, the kind of some of the challenges of playing as much man coverage as they do now when they kind of gotten used to playing a lot more zone under Jimmy Lake and having a lot of success doing that. And he said, yeah, like it's, it's a lot harder on the corners. It's a lot harder physically. You know, you got to hold up more throughout the whole game. You got to have more stamina and all these things. But he thinks it's really helped the running game because it's kind of freed the safeties up to come down and fit the run more, which was something that you saw people complaining about a lot last year, right? Because they were not just not going to abandon that too high safety look. So I think systematically they're in better position to stop the run. You know, I what does ASU have to lose? Like if I'm watching Washington film, I might think like, well, I know throwing the ball isn't really like our strength but we hung around sc long enough to make it interesting last week and like these guys could not get off the field on third down and are super banged up in the secondary i'm gonna come out throwing the ball if i'm them you know whether that's your team strength or not like that's i think especially as weak as they've been defensively like you got to expect washington's gonna put up you know 35 40 plus in this game like that'd be how i'm approaching it from an asu perspective so now, just, why would you say that? Is it because they've allowed 30 or more points in each of their last four games? I would say that's part of it. Yeah, that factors in. That's in the equation. Um, yeah, they, they, 
played some good teams, right? Oklahoma State, Utah, USC are all part of it. They but they also got beat thirty to twenty one by Eastern Michigan, which was that was probably the dagger in old Herm. Like at, at that point, like big Herm. He 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 wasn't going to survive after that happened. Yeah, I don't think he gets fired the next day if they win that game. Um, it is it's just it just goes to show, you know, you can you can be the head coach of a program that's just been like totally credibly accused of flaunting every COVID guideline regulation around recruiting and be the subject of an NCAA investigation. You cannot lose at home to Eastern Michigan. <laughs> What's funny about it is that Herm has kind of remained sort of outside the shadow. And maybe I'm wrong. And maybe there's a, you correct me if I'm wrong. And within the conference, everybody's like, yeah, Herm's, Herm's overseeing a rogue pirate ship. I've always seen Arizona State, especially in this sort of current configuration, which is that Herm is the figurehead and almost the political head of, of the football program. And they actually have a personnel guy that handles recruiting that that Herm has very little to do with the logistics or setting the tone for any of the the actual management of the football infrastructure. Like he's he's pretty much the closer that comes in to seal recruits and then the guy that talks to players uh, over the course of the week, like not just a motivational speaker, but like because that's. Herm's MO in the NFL was always like he's not an X's and O's dude. Like that's that's not that's not what what he's been about. It's been about the way that he reaches and inspires people. Um, having a rogue program is totally outside the character of what people have known Herm as. So mm-hmm. maybe I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt there and saying that like okay, that's just a reflection of sort of the, how responsibility. Because look. And and no shade being thrown at rogue programs because I like rogue programs. You're talking to someone who is a big UNLV basketball fan. Like I I I have no I have no ill will towards someone who breaks stupid NCAA rules. It's weird that Herm has been kind of at the at at the front of this team that for more than a year now there's been sort of the general sense of like these guys blatantly broke a ton of rules. Yeah. If you read Doug um, Doug Holler at the Athletic had a kind of a good breakdown of of just everything that happened um, to to lead to his firing, and he had mentioned in there that there there seemed to be a lack of concern on his end to like learn the NCA rules and like the <laughs> the some of the more like <laughs> de- details and nuances of them. <laughs> oh god that's awesome that makes me like her more man <laughs> yeah like yeah what do i need to know that ish isn't that what you guys are supposed to do <laughs> uh <laughs> well listen Dude, listen if you're gonna be so if you're gonna be the ceo and you're gonna delegate like you said and that's that is how it was structured like antonio antonio pierce was um very much like viewed as as kind of like the de facto head coach um it, yes you know does 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 the head coach need to know the rule book inside and out is it is it that big of a priority this is this is the paragraph i'm referring to from this story asked if edwards bothered to learn nca rules a former athletic department staff member said i don't think it was a top priority for him another said <laughs> That during Edwards' first year, staffers would have to, quote, babysit Edwards at events where contact with certain prospects was prohibited. Quote, (laughs) (laughs) 
quote, he's such a nice guy that he would just, hey, can we take a picture? Oh, yeah, no problem, the former staff member said. He didn't know that was against the rules. And, like, I could see that. A guy, like a guy I'm under, I'm who's been in the NFL here. for so long, he'd been out of the game, <laughs> and you're just a kid comes up and oh, you know, hey, Coach Herm, like Herm Edwards, can we take a picture? Oh yeah, sure. Like it was that th- those That's little things hilarious. that I think he just didn't quite have a a grasp. But maybe didn't just didn't care about like whatever. This is you know these are stupid rules. It's it's overregulated. They are stupid rules. It is overregulated. Um, that's exceptionally funny. Uh. It's certainly in contrast to Neuheisel's approach when he became the the Washington coach because he had a ton of, I, I guess they'd be termed secondary violations of rules where when he became Washington's coach, like he was super aggressive with recruiting. So I know there was one story about how like there was a, I don't know how all of the periods work, but there's a period of time where you could call players but not contact, like, but couldn't show up and see them. Like phone calls were allowed. Do they still have those sort of recruiting structures? Yeah, like there's there's times when you can because there can be dead periods where you can't talk to them at all, and then there can be times where the phone calls were allowed, but in person visits were not. So you can and you can always interact with them over text now. Right. There are periods where the coaching staff cannot initiate a phone call, but they can text the kid and say, "Hey, call me." See that that's okay. So. This is it's one of those the the rule in question was you couldn't physically contact you couldn't talk to him but you could talk to him on the phone and knew has a called a kid told him to look out his window and he was in his car across the street <laughs> you can't and and knew was like I wasn't having an in person visit with him I was talking to him on the phone that's allowed. And he ended up getting censured, I think, by whatever the college football coaches. Forrest DeBerry of Air Force, I think, at that point was was the time. But there was like an actual censure. It was it was passed. And Neuheisel came out with, I was told that you need to obey the intent of the rules and rather than the letter. Than, they, yes, exactly. <laughs> Which I was like, and this is the exact opposite of that, right? Like instead of looking for loopholes, he's just like, I. Why do I need to learn that stuff? I love it, man. I absolutely love it. <laughs> oh my goodness. So rather than rather than than go the old school traditional route and, and just give you a, a Pac twelve power ranking, we're gonna we're gonna do a more convoluted gimmick that I came up with to to rate the relative strength of the teams in the Pac twelve five weeks in. And my thought was we are going to we're gonna draft the conference. We're gonna take turns drafting the conference. Based on which team would you take to win one game against an FBS opponent drawn at random? So could be Georgia, could be Colorado. Um, I, I will, I will, I will cede the first pick to you, Danny, because um, because you're more avuncular. <laughs> it's deferring to my age, yes. The first pick is clearly USC. I think we both had the opinion USC has not looked great. It's past two games has been tested more, but USC is clearly the pick here. They score so many dang points that, and just how, how their offense has looked. USC would be my first pick on a, on a, in a game to, to beat an FBS opponent. I will. Um, I also would have taken USC. I, I'll, I'll take Utah. Um, if you're talking about like which team do I think would be most competitive against you know like a really good SEC team, I think you want to you want to trend toward offense. Um, 
but you know, I think I think Utah's really balanced. I think they have a really good quarterback. They have a really good running back. They're you know they're, they're one last second drive against Florida away from being undefeated. Um, and I, I think Kyle Whittingham's teams always get better as the year goes along. Like I think more than any program, you can kind of count on that from them. So I think uh, that'll be a good game in a couple of weeks. These two these two teams play each other, but I I would definitely uh, I would definitely take Utah after the Trojans. My number three pick is going to be UCLA. Ooh. Yeah. And that's going to go basically because I really want to pick Washington. But I can't pick Washington because they just got beat by UCLA. Like, clearly, battle of unbeaten teams. There's no plausible deniability. I can't make a more compelling case for Washington than UCLA. So I'm picking UCLA as number three. Okay, that's an interesting pick. I do think, I mean, I think their offense does put them over the top um, in the in some of the maturation we've seen from DTR. They have the best do, – yeah. Do, is he the best quarterback in the conference? Uh, I don't know. I don't think we know that yet. He did. He got to play Washington's defense last week. Probably not, not the most consistent. Not the most – that's true. Very good point. Like, we haven't seen him against something other than I, – I think Penix is the best thrower. I think Penix is the best thrower. DTR's mobility is is a different level. Like he's he he's I will say he's the best combination running like with his legs and arm. I don't know as much about his decision making. Yeah. I think I mean he's he's right in that conversation right now for sure. Um with uh with the number four pick, I'm gonna take Oregon. It's I think it's it's between Oregon and Washington for that spot. Um I think uh I think Oregon's just overall talent defensively puts them over the top. And I know, I know they lost 49 to three to Georgia in week one. So, you know, we kind of, we know what they look like going up against the best of the best. But if you're talking about you're, you're picking out of a hat from, from any FBS program and I'm, I'm trying to trying to decide who I trust more in that game against a random team. I think right now it's Oregon. I will never pick Oregon in this exercise. See, I knew you, so you I, I should have, see, I should have taken Washington <laughs> for Although Wazoo's Wazoo's right there. So, What's the argument for taking Washington State ahead of Washington here? Um, their defense. The argument is the Cougs. The Cougs have the better defense. Like we know that about their defense. Are we still worried about the fact that their quarterback was playing at Incarnate Word last year? I'm not as worried about that. I mean, am I, would, I the only person? Am I the only person that looks at it and kind of feels? Just based on like when I see it, I'm like, yeah, but the kid was at Incarnate Word last last year. Like that's that that causes me all sorts of like, yeah, how much can you trust it? Because he looks great. Like he even he had two picks in the first half of last week's game, but like some of the throws he makes are incredible. Like and and I still there's still this chunk of me that's just like, yeah, but he was at Incarnate Word last year. Like it's, I I don't know. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's a, a bias on my part or I'm, I'm refusing to listen, but it is, it is something that wiggles and gnaws at the back of me. Are you saying, um, are you saying he, he, he is, he is the best quarterback incarnate? <laughs> I've been trying to work into a word, uh, like cone carne. Cause I think it would be funny to call it, but cone carne word doesn't work. Like I, I like cone carne as a substitute for incarnate. <laughs> But uh, it's if 
If it was named anything else, I would take him more seriously. I guess is basically what I'm saying. (laughs) If it was called anything, if it was called Ham and Cheddar University, like I would take it more seriously than I do Incarnate Word. Um, So because he went to Incarnate Word, I'm picking Washington. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as long as long as we're being logical. That's exactly right. I, yeah, you, the Cougs have the Cougs have held four of their five opponents to fewer than twenty points. They're coming off a game in which they gave up nine points to Cal. Um, but yeah, I'm still I'm 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 still taking the Huskies. I will. Uh, I'll happily take Washington State. Then they are a they are a, a blown twelve point lead in the last five minutes of Oregon away from being undefeated right now. And who knew? Maybe they maybe they'd actually be ranked if they were undefeated. I think we you know. What's it going to take? What's it going to take to get Wazoo in that top twenty-five? Come on! Although the Wisconsin win looks looks worse and worse every week, but I will, yeah, I will take the... I will take Washington State with a a solid defense and an improving offense. Um, defense wasn't so great against against Oregon, but I think they have a lot of playmakers and um, they'll play hard. You you can you can trust them to uh, to give great effort and all those things. And you know they're 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 kind of that that scrappy undersized team that's that's going to come out swinging so i will uh I'll, I'll take them in a game against random fbs team over the over the remaining field i'm going beeves beeves they got some beeves, quarterback beeves. issues they do but they're good up front like the beeves i think the beeves play the best fundamentals like and of that we're, we're now into the bottom half of the conference right mm-hmm. like we're now into they're clearly in my mind like they've lost two in a row and they gave up a ton of points, but they played the two best teams in the conference. I think I, I, I mean, I, I, I think they played the two best teams in the conference. I think beeves beeves are next for me. I will admit if these teams had not played with a definitive result already, I, I might take the other. Um, Cause I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about Cal and Arizona here, uh, but Cal mm-hmm. just absolutely gashed them on the ground with, with Jaden Ott. And while I, you know, is Cal's pretty clearly not like a special team, um, but they, they, they hung right with the Irish and in, in South Bend and should have, uh, should have had a, a shot to win that game. If not for a, a, a fictional offsides call on a field goal that, that basically gifted Notre Dame a touchdown. Um, <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll no. take. I'll take. Cal Are you saying something 14. untoward happened in the officiating that gave them the benefit of the doubt? Yeah, just maybe. Just maybe. You got Cal there. Mm-hmm. We're kind of in the like these are the Cal and Oregon State are probably the teams with the sort of the they're accomplished teams but have one single glaring question, right? Like they're both competent football teams with like a potentially like season wrecking sort of flaw to them. Um, I scoring nine points against Washington state is not, is not a good sign. They've, but they're, but they're a competent team. Uh, Now we get in, now we get into the drags. You got a choice. Now we get here. Yeah. I should take Arizona here, but I will not. (laughs) I knew it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not capable of it. Um, I I I really, but Stanford like you can't take Stanford here. Like they're one in three. Like you can't take Stanford, and I really don't want to take. Dude, I have to. I have to take Arizona. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take Arizona. I'm and... going to take Arizona. Like qualified by, I still think their coach should be fired. Today. <laughs> like. 
<laughs> I think they that just. Guy's uh, they just I, I know Colorado. I know they did. He they're just halfway, put Carl Durrell out. They're halfway to a bowl game, and they got they yeah get to play ASU. They they stink, man. <laughs> they stink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they're. Uh, I I I hate myself for picking Arizona, but I'm going to do it. I uh, I don't have a good option here. Um, no. it's, it's either ASU or Stanford, and so I mean, I, I'll take Stanford because they still have their head coach. So that's the <laughs> that's the bar they're clearing here. They, they could still... David Shaw? Do you think he could do anything to get fired at this point? Not this year, no. Like, but any anytime because I'm not sure he can ever get fired. Um, I mean, I. If they they were four and eight last year. It's looking like another losing season this year. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if they put together three straight, like really unimpressed. I mean, really like okay, they've regressed. This isn't just injuries. This, this isn't just a fluke. Like, but the thing is, they're still like you look at you look at um the the twenty four seven sports talent composite just based on like here's how talented each roster is according to their the rankings of all their players as recruits. Stanford Washington is third. And Stanford is right behind them, like right behind them. They, they've they recruited at a pretty high level as far as getting guys who had a lot of other offers, who other programs wanted, but they just they haven't put it together. I will, I will say against a random team, though, like they have a potential NFL quarterback in Tanner McKee, and they have some receivers, so like you never know. They could put it together and and at least move the ball some, and, and you know, maybe, maybe you, you come up against a team with a really weak pass defense, um, although they played one of those a couple weeks ago and didn't really attack that that flaw much, so uh, I'm taking you know whatever. Who did they play that had bad pass defense? Um, it was a it was a it was a team that plays its games at it's it's at one one of the best settings in college football. They call oh it. yeah among yeah. the among the top settings in college football. Yeah, they've been they've been hitting that marketing uh that marketing gimmick over the head, haven't they? It's on the sidelines now. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, um, I'm taking Stanford. Tenth. I'll go Arizona State because it's clear that Colorado's horrific. Yeah, and then I'm stuck with the buffs. Ugh. How how bad how how historically bad are the buffs? Um, I Brian Howell, who who does a good job covering them for the for the paper there, had a really good uh he had a good tweet the other day about Owen. I think it was before they'd lost their fifth game. Owen four starts by FBS teams and like the 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 margin of defeat through those four. Um, let me see if I can find it. It was it was pretty incredible. Um, you know, we'll see if they get any. Like, you know, Josh McCown's kid is starting at quarterback for them now. <laughs> Oh. How old does that make you feel? Yeah, that makes me feel pretty old. I was like, another McCown brother? I'm like, no, it's a kid. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's what I, I'm like. Oh, my, oh, McCown. I'm like, oh my god, that's his son. Yeah, I got I got some stern glances a couple years ago. You remember when the Seahawks played the the Eagles in the playoffs? So I think that would have been 2019. Yeah. Um, and McCown came in because Wentz got a concussion, and McCown outran Ziggy Ansa to the corner. And I just i I erupted howling. I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And I was I was I got stern glances in the press box because you're not supposed to enjoy what you're seeing apparently. And I was like, that is the freaking hilarious. Like, 
Uncle Josh, who basically every year would decide in September whether or not he, everybody likes hanging out with him so he can get a job anytime he wants in the NFL. Um, he outran a defensive end, which I thought was the funniest thing in the world. I will say they, um, Owen, Owen McCown is his name. Um, he, he's like one of the very few like faint glimmers of hope in that program right now is because like I think people were decently excited about him coming in. He didn't start the year as their starter, but um, he seems to maybe have like a little bit of a little bit of juice to him. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens with him at season's end. Um, I, so I, f- I found the Brian Howell tweet. He says, from my own research, the list of Power Five teams that have started a season with four consecutive losses by twenty five plus points. So twenty twenty two Colorado is on that list. Um, there are five others. The most recent was Indiana in 1957. Oh! Virginia Tech in 1950. Louisville in 1932. UCLA in 1921. And the very first oh, of, of these six teams was Tennessee in 1893. So Colorado is the first to do it in, in, in whatever you might say resembles years? this modern era. Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> so th- does that does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, it does. Actually, it does. It answers it really well. Like we're not talking about average, just like oh, this is Washington, two thousand eight, zero and twelve stink. Like we're talking about like this is epic, like just horrendous. Um, that said, if you listen to my 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 theory or belief earlier, you should take uh, the Sun Devils this week. Although. It was even based on the flawed premise. I was saying that San, uh, that Arizona State played better because Herm had just got whacked, and he actually got whacked two weeks ago. Who'd they play the first game after After his firing? Was it Utah? That's right. Utah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, they, they hung around. They made some plays against SC. They got uh, picked off. It was Caleb respectable. In the, in it the was zone. respectable. Yeah. All right. We'll get to our, we'll get to our picks here. Um, you're still you're still clipping along ahead of me. I I I botched. Was it the USC Arizona State game last week though? Because I think I took the the Trojans and the points. Although maybe they covered with that late score. Um, I don't think we picked that one. We didn't. So uh, you you missed you missed Colorado. You you could not. You just yeah. you just couldn't pick the Fighting Fishes to cover seventeen and a half, nope. and and they did. Uh, you got Utah covering uh, against Oregon State in a big way. I had Oregon State covering that game. Um, uh, we both had Oregon covering against Stanford, which they did, and we both had Washington covering against UCLA, which they did not. So that was a, a two and two record for both of us last season. You improved to to twelve and eight on the year. I'm still a, a game back at eleven and nine. Um, should we just pick? I mean, now that we're in conference play, there's five games a week. And I feel like we're still picking four. So okay. Let's, you know, you want to just we'll bump it up. You want to just pick them all. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll do. We'll do Washington last. Uh, Utah. This is a really good matchup. Um, Utah visits UCLA. And that's the first game of the day at, at twelve thirty on Saturday in the Rose Bowl. We'll see if they can get more than forty three thousand for that one. Um, it didn't look as awful as I thought it was going to. Well, it, it was no, and it was it was pretty loud. For you know, all things considered, you look at I, you know, I, you mentioned in your column like the the capacity is reduced by the gigantic UCLA banners they have yeah. in the end zone, so like that helps a little bit because you don't 
you know, the empty seats aren't as glaring. Um, and anyway, being down on the field after, like, I think they, first of all, oh my goodness, the music that they blast on the sidelines. Like, I don't know how you stand there in front of those speakers the whole game. Because, like, it was just, I mean, deafening, just ear-splitting. Um, but, you know, the game ended, and they flashed the lights and fireworks, and people were into it. It, was, it wasn't, you know, you look at the box score and see the attendance number, you're like, Ugh. it wasn't that bad of an atmosphere. Yeah, it looked. It didn't look as embarrassing as I thought it was going to. Um, Utah is favored by four and a half in this game. I'm going to give the points with Utah. I, I am UC- also. I think I think UCLA is going to be a little bit. It it was too easy against Washington, and they're going to face a much better defense. And and I'm not I'm not sure how they're going to handle that. And I think Utah's. Utah Utah's pretty well tested at this point. I'm going to take Utah. Yeah, they are. You know, I mean, their Bruins are at home again, but I think this is this is maybe their come back down to earth game. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and like you said, Utah. I think I think Utah is is more tested, and um, I I like them. Excuse me, I like them running the ball against that UCLA front, and I think they're they're a lot more uh, a lot better equipped to slow down DTR. So. Um, Wazen, this is another good match. This is a, this is a good week of games, sneakily so, because um, there's a lot of games nationally that are getting a lot of attention. But big week out west too. Wazoo visits USC in the 4:30 game on on Fox um, on the Bermuda grass. By the way, uh, Trojans are favored by 13. I'm taking Wazoo here. Wazoo's only had one game in which they've allowed more than 20 points. And while they gave up like 40 some that game, um, I, I believe, I believe in Wazoo's defense. I, I think, I, I don't think Wazoo wins, but I think they cover. Yeah. That's, that's too many against WSU. Um, you know, I think Caleb Williams is really, really talented. He's a, he's a difference maker. You know, he can, he kind of single-handedly, he didn't play well at all um, against Oregon State and Corvallis, but still kind of single-handedly like got them down the field and and won that game. He made a great play on fourth downs. I mean, he, he makes some great individual plays, but I think USC has shown enough cracks. I mean, against Oregon State, against ASU, despite the fact that they're unbeaten, um, I uh, I just think 13 is too many against the defenses as talented as, as Wazoo. I don't know they didn't play great against Oregon, but... Um, I, I see that one. I see that one being a a lot closer than that. So I also will will roll with the Cougs. Uh oh, this is not this is not good for you. Oregon visits Arizona. I know. Uh, I'm picking Oregon. Oregon's given up 13. Is what I have. Um. Yes, 13. Taking Oregon with 13. And here's the simple reason. This is the equivalent of the happiness hedge. Well, thir- 13 and a half will go. 13 and a half. The happiness hedge. If Oregon wins, which they absolutely should, and I refuse to bet on Jed Fish, um, I'll be somewhat happy that my pick panned out. If Oregon loses, I will more than happily sacrifice uh, a stupid pick in, 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 our, in our informal tally uh, for the benefit of a duck loss. Yeah, um, hard to see Arizona. Put it this way: hard to see a team that gave up forty nine points to Cal uh, staying within two touchdowns of Oregon. Yeah, so and, weird, weird stuff uh, happens, though. Weird stuff happens to Oregon and Tucson. And I will say this: that uh, I believe we're now at the point where I don't even think there's a question about whether or not Bo Nix is going to be starting against Washington, which is great news for the Huskies. You're still on that train, huh? Yes, 
the the suddenly kind of reeling ish Oregon State Beavers uh, are seven point favorites at Stanford with uh, with Chance Nolan's status up in the air. I'm taking Stanford with the seven here. Ooh. Stanford had a bye. They should get EJ Smith back. I uh, isn't he out? Didn't he say he's out for the season? Is he done for the year? I think he is. I'm yeah, thinking it was it. Ah, ah. The other kid was pretty good though, Filkins. Yeah, he was. He's not bad. Um, yeah, he is. He is. He's out for the year. Ah, stupid shot didn't even say what it was. I like Oregon State. I mean, I just think. You know, they've lost two straight. Stanford's defense is not good, and even if they got to play like Tristan Jebbia, I think they, I think they, they push him around up front and win by more than a score. So, I will take the Beavs, lest I fall further behind you in our standings here. Um, then is Washington. Now still, we got the. Are they still favored by fourteen? It's a lot of points. 12, 13, 14. Depends where you look. Um, we'll go with we'll go with 14 here. I'm taking it. I'll take Washington and give 14. I'm going to take ASU. Um, Ooh, you are. Not straight up. I think 14 right. is – I think 14 is way too many. Um, could be the classic overreaction on my part that, hey, UCLA is really good and, and Washington was, was going to – going to get bit eventually in, in its past defense and and they're still far far better than Arizona State maybe they go down there and blow them out but 21 years since they've won a game there hard to hard to jump right on them covering two scores at a a one o'clock game in the heat and all those things by the way that reminds me that uh Michael Penix Jr. delivered a a phenomenal response yesterday to a question about hydration and, and he was asked you know if there was like a a certain a certain number of ounces that he was trying to hit this week as far as drinking water in preparation to, to play a game in 90 degree heat. And he said, no, I'm uh, I, I just drink it until my pee, my pee turns clear, <laughs> which is like, have you, have you seen those, those like college strength staff hydration charts before Yes. where it's like, if you're, if, if, if the color is too dark, you're a bad person and a bad teammate. <laughs> Oh, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, that'll be yeah. the key. I kind of... Uh, did you ever see the movie Role Models? Oh, yes. When when he says, like, because what... Is it the 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 bull is the mascot? T- yeah. Minotaur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Minotaur! And Paul Rudd just goes, looks like I got Shrek's piss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My favorite line from that movie is when... Uh, uh, Jane Lynch's character, she she's talking to them in her office, and she's like, "Yeah, I got some questions about your." And she does air quotes presence here at this, what you know, whatever. And he said, "Why did you put presence in air quotes? Are you implying we're not here?" Pretty funny. <laughs> uh, are you so? What? What are you going to go split screen for Huskies Mariners on on Friday or what? Or no, on Saturday? I don't. Do, I don't divide my Husky loyalties. I'll 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 probably won't be aware of the Mariners. We'll see. It depends on how things go. Um, I don't expect it to be a very close game with Arizona State. So I, yeah, but I don't like split screen. Um, I'll I'll jog back and forth. So you wouldn't want them to cut into the Husky game with Mariners highlights, no. is what you're saying? No. Here's my problem with that, Christian, is 
we have that problem solved. Like it is no longer 1965 in which there are three channels. And there are a variety of solutions that I have. If I wanted to watch Aaron Judge's at bat, like I'm able to do that. And I don't need a television network to decide that for me. And that whole mode of thinking is they're essentially trying to make decisions for me and I resent it. Um, yeah. So it's, it, it, it's a terrible, it's a terrible approach to use, especially when the, and it, it's ultimately New York that does this, but like people are so convinced that the entire country cares about New York and Boston in a way that the entire country does not care about New York nor Boston. Like it's not, it's not the epicenter of, of things. And most people don't give a crap about Aaron Judge hitting 62 home runs. But enough people in this very like sort of consequential corridor of media executives do so they make stupid decisions like switching. I don't know why they would think college football fans in Texas give a rip about whether Aaron Judge hits his 61st or 62nd home run. It's stupid. If ESPN said, though, they'll pay the Pac-12 $50 million a school on its next deal, but they're going to cut in every time a Yankee or a Red Sox player hits a home run. Would you be on board with that to save the conference? No, no, I wouldn't because it's, it's, that's the sort of like rationale. I know, but that's because everybody else is dumb and they don't understand that like prostituting yourself like that leads to more prostitution. Like, like, Doing that and taking that money for someone who can then disregard the value of your product, like that's an expense in and of itself. And you can sit there and say like, oh, all these money will benefit all of the member schools. I'm not sure that's true. And I think it's a terrible way to run your sport to let TV executives tell you what's best for them and then pay you enough money so they can do what's best for them. Are you an Amazon guy? Would you be, would you be irritated having to watch games on like Amazon or Apple? No, I don't mind that. Now, as someone who is a Sling subscriber, like, are you aware of what happened with Sling over the weekend? The uh, yeah, they dropped, they like lost ESPN, right? For two days. Yeah, and and I'm one of the I'm one of the people I canceled my subscription at that point because I, I I think in the review that I sent, I was like, you're not an actual cable service, you're not a TV service if you don't have ESPN. Um, I got to figure out what I'm going to do now. I think YouTube TV not positive. Um. All of these additional choices that I've been talking about come with, it's going to cost you more money. And that would be another thing that I say in the, in the direction of don't let these TV executives dictate everything because what they're doing ultimately costs us more money. Like we're the ones that are ultimately paying for it. Even if you want to make it seem like, oh, this big, the money tree is just giving us $50 million for a very inconsequential inconvenience of staggering your game so each one can be shown independently. But the overall money, you're going to pay for it on the back end. You're going to pay for it out of your pocket, and then you're going to pay for it in the convenience when it comes to watching it. Yeah. I was uh, listening to um, Bob Thompson, the former Fox exec, uh, was he on with Canzano? He was on Canzano and Wilner's podcast, and he, I mean, he he made the point himself, like, you know, geez, I was looking at my my streaming, you know, receipts at the end of the pandemic, and it was supposed to be this like affordable alternative, and and in favor of cord cutting, and now you know you got to have so many that that can get to seventy bucks a month pretty quickly. So, 
And here's so most people in Seattle probably still have most big sports fans in Seattle probably still have Comcast, right? Because it has the Mariners. I do. It, it, it has the Mariners. If you didn't, you don't really have the option of getting Sling because you or you would just miss all Mariners games. Like you just don't get the Mariners. The same thing happens here in New York, but since I don't care about the Yankees or the Mets, like I basically can't watch the Yankees or the Mets on TV. Even even when they're on, like the one exception is when the Yankees have been on Amazon this year. But those are those are all different ways where you're seeing like the model is changing, but you're paying a ton for all sorts of different things. If I if I one of the options I have other than Sling is DirecTV, but DirecTV doesn't get the Pac-12 network. Like, even if I get their streaming service, I don't get the Pac-12 network. So all these things are just ways to, like, just take a little bit of a bite out of your ass. Like, just a little bit of a bite out of your ass. And it's just a little inconvenience when it comes to scheduling. And before you know it, you're you're paying twice as much for TV, and it's not as convenient, Christian. Living in the seventh circle of hell here. This is my – it's my defense every time uh, the CenturyLink internet people come to my door trying to get me to switch to CenturyLink because they're they're – like TV partner is DirecTV, and so every yeah. time I'm like, "Well, let me let me stop you. You guys are still with DirecTV," and they say, "Yeah," and I'm like, "I gotta have the Pac-12 network. Sorry." And they try to go in it. Well, but you can get you know the streaming and blah blah. And I'm like, "No, no, no. I gotta have it. I gotta have it on television. I'm still a linear TV guy." So <laughs> look at you with the verbiage, the linear, linear carriage rates, linear like all television. of that stuff. Why do any of us know about that? Like, why? There's no reason. There's no reason to have to know all of these terms. Yet somehow it's convinced. The other thing is, people like give you news updates. Like, oh, the ratings for the NFL. Honest to God, why do I give a rip what the ratings of the NFL are? If I like the NFL, I watch the NFL. Like, is I understand why TV executives are interested in that stuff. I have no idea why there's actual news stories written about this stuff. Is it that we're all lemmings and you want to know, like, oh, more people are watching this, so I feel good that other... Like, who cares? It's baffling to me. I love I loved all the new vocabulary that is introduced by, like, the realignment and expansion stuff. Like, suddenly you have... Just people people using the words like accretive on Twitter who <laughs> yeah. probably had never heard that word before. Yeah, like, you know, no, these, the Big Ten would never add that school. It's not accretive. Okay. It's absurd, isn't it? Or the footprint. Like, that's the other one that's everywhere now. It expands our footprint. Why in the world, if you're an Illinois fan in Chicago, do you care about your conference's footprint in L.A.? Like, I guess there is this vague sort of, oh, it's more valuable now because we've got, like, larger coverage, so TV networks are going to value it more. Like, how does that relate to Illinois becoming any better in football? Because I don't think it does. And somehow, we've been convinced or sold, or and I don't know if it's because so many journalists want to work for these these networks like these main networks and have seen that as like, okay, that's, that's where most of the money is being paid for. So I'm very interested in that. Maybe it is because that is actually influencing the business decisions of the school, but like why I care about whether or not Rutgers fits in the big 10. I don't, I don't give a crap where Rutgers plays football as long as it's not in the same conference with Washington. Well, I, I hope that Washington playing at one o'clock on the, on the PAC 12 network um and and now suits the, my taste the mariners being being slotted for that same time uh for their game two wild card game will be accretive to your viewing experience <laughs> and not dilutive um accretive. with that said uh 
enjoy the game or or games if you uh if you do go split screen and we will talk to you next week